dear all, I just wanted to preface this um, podcast with letting you know we had a few technical difficulties. However, we've got new software and new, new equipment, so future podcasts are going to come through a lot clearer. We didn't want to delete this one because we felt like the content was so great. So please listen in. It's a little echoey, a little bit of background noise, but it's a great podcast with really great information. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Marissa Davis, and you're listening to Neurodiversity University. Right here with me is Dr. Park and Neil Christensen. Hi, I'm really grateful to have Dr. Neil Christensen here. Seven and a half years ago, I uh, was looking for a job in Utah and saw a wilderness therapist. And I was like, what in the world is that? And got in touch with Neil, and who was clinical director at Outback at the time. And he introduced me to this whole world seven and a half years ago and was supervising me through my uh, infancy in uh, learning about uh, our, our field. So Neil, do you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself and about your current place? For having me on university. Neurodiversity University. I'm grateful to be here, grateful to talk with the two of you. Um, I started back in 2004 working at Outback and I worked with a variety of different client profiles, um, anywhere from um, external uh, externalizing substance users and probably in the last probably six or seven years I've been working more with the neurodiversity uh, neurodiverse student. So kids on the spectrum, kids with learning disabilities, uh, kids with ADHD or other, other neurodevelopmental issues. Well, wonderful, we're really actually happy to have you here. Um, I think one of the major questions that's probably on everyone's mind is what is wilderness? Can you explain that a little bit more for us? Sure. Uh, wilderness therapy, I would describe as a, as a social milieu treatment that happens in the outdoors in the wilderness. Um, it lasts for anywhere from, say, six weeks to 12 weeks, and kids are engaging in a living experience where they're camping, hiking, sometimes climbing, rappelling, um, but they live together. They're supervised by um, field guides who are uh, highly trained to both support them in their camping and hiking needs, but also have, have been trained on how to de-escalate crises and issues. Uh, and treatment is overseen by therapists um, that uh, engage in diagnostic assessment as well as treatment development and psychotherapy, both uh, or individual family and group therapies. And it's, and it's clearly not boot camp. Would you like to speak to that? <laughs> wilderness therapy is definitely not boot camp. We not break kids down. Uh, we actually, I would say, highlight their strengths um, and engage with them in, a, in an experiential way, help them to uh, believe in themselves. They do hard things just simply by living in the wilderness. I think that's a, a big challenge, um, but we then help coach them, teach them, mentor them on a lot of the social emotional skills that they have struggled in developing independently or just through traditional education. Um, so they become more effective um, in social relationships, family relationships, in school and in life. So is this in all elements, as in summer, fall, spring, winter, and how do you guys manage that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Many parents ask that. Um, are they still out there in the snow and the cold? And the answer is yes. Um, we see we have um, kids out in the wilderness all four seasons, uh, and we just have different protocol and gear that helps kids and our staff manage the temperatures, um, the climate, etc. So when it's uh, colder and snowier outside, uh, we have different kind of gear, warmer gear, tents and those kinds of things. And then in the summertime, they have, again, different kind of gear to manage the warmer temperatures or the rain, that kind of thing. And for those of you, hopefully most of you know, um, Neil works, Dr. Christensen works at Elements and they have a fabulous leadership team. I've been honored to know them. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Elements and what you kind of like about it and love about it? So. Yeah. I was, uh, had the, uh, I would say, a great opportunity to work at Outback for nearly nine years. And then I transitioned uh, from Outback to Elements in 2013. Um, and, and probably the, the two things that really drew me uh, to Elements, maybe three things. Um, Elements has a curriculum that they help focus or help kids process through any level of substance use. Um, and that could be anywhere from experimentation to more levels of addiction. But then they also, we also work with the DBT model, dialectical behavior therapy. So we um, help teach kids basically emotional coping skills in a way that, um, that doesn't rely on just their intuition or their insights, but actually you know, teach them skills that they can apply. So when they're getting overwhelmed, stressed out, they can begin to uh, in, engage in these kinds of DBT skills. And I'd say the third thing that I really was attracted to Elements by was their adventure programming. So in addition to backpacking and camping and living outdoors, they also uh, rock climb, rappel, canyoneer. They've also started, we've also started fly fishing because um, we have some lakes in the summertime up in the high country. That sounds incredibly fun, but also challenging, <laughs> which I'm sure that's the point. And on an important note, Neil hasn't lost any more hair since he started out. <laughs> that seems like a good sign. The <laughs> more my beard, I think. <laughs> Bonus. All right. Well, so then why would you say wilderness is a great place for neurodiverse students that are struggling? Question. Um, I think with struggling um, uh, with neurodiverse related issues, learning issues, processing related, uh, say, process, um, slow processing speed, um, those kinds of things. Wilderness is slow. It's practical. Um, I, what I like about it particularly is that the social milieu stays the same for a long period of time. Kids are oftentimes, again, in the wilderness for, let's just say, eight to 10 weeks together, uh, along with the same staff. And so as these kids struggle to learn a variety of things, they have a lot of time to practice it and put it and implement these skills. Um, and the peer group stays the same, so they don't get rejected or bullied um, or lost in the shuffle you know, from changing classes or, um, you know, yeah, I'd say changing classes or not spending time with other people after school. So 
Um, we can do a lot of direct instruction and coaching in the moment when they're, you know, when they're escalated and struggling in some ways the most. And we don't sort of have to wait until the therapy session next week. We're, we're really dealing with the coping skills and helping them in implement those coping skills right in the moment. If I can add to that from a neuroscientific point of view, a great thing that I love about the wilderness is that the way, if you think about how our brains are wired, our brains are wired to find distractions, anything that might be a threat to us. And so because we're always constantly looking for threats, Thing that's distracting takes our brain right away and in our highly distractive world with all kinds of electronics and programs you know our brains are constantly being distracted so they can't like settle down and consciously think through things the way that our brains were developed to another thing is our brains were developed to be moving you know if you think about our ancient ancestors they were constantly moving and moving was part of learning and so i'm a big believer in offering when you're out in the wilderness and you're doing some adventurous activities, you're constantly moving and you're getting this bi alternating bilateral stimulus. So both halves of the brain are getting in sequence, moving rhythmically back and forth. Actions, and you're getting that, that nice rhythm of alternating back and forth with the brain. Moving and very profound in helping all these kind of beautiful clinical activities to happen. I think. What we see with a lot of these kids is they're really um, infatuated, if not addicted, to technology. Their phones, their computers, their TVs, or whatever. Um, they, we remove all of the access to technology, so they are literally out in the wilderness with they're unplugged, um, and they're unplugged for the entirety of their experience. Uh, so from hiking every day, it's eating healthier, to not having blue light from their cell phone, going to bed at night. Um, I also look at the, the whole experience as being really a, a whole health experience, helping reduce anxiety, reducing stress, reducing depression, just by just sort of helping them get back to the basics. I sign up. <laughs> um, no, that sounds incredible. So how else would you say that it really helps them grow? Um, they're engaging in um, activities of variety, as I talked about, climbing, repelling, camping, but also just living together. And so we talk, we use this term called eustress, which is positive stress. A lot of times outside, you know, at home, they're they're dealing with overwhelm from stresses that, that are in some ways negative or that they're maybe they're, it's beyond their abilities. And so we help to scale the, the challenges back to a place where they can be successful. Um, again, from whether it's engaging socially in a, in a more improved way, um, reading or having more success with academics uh, or climbing and doing a really uh, hard climbing route helps them begin to feel better about themselves, thinking better about their, um, their life and, and th that they can accomplish difficult tasks. Um, and so we just do it in a variety of different real life experiences in the moment. Um, that sounds absolutely amazing. Um, so w with these types of kids specifically, why would you say that it is so beneficial for them and why does it work so well with them? 
wilderness is small and it's it's happening in the moment and so they don't have to hold on to thoughts you know for a period of time they can just start to implement the things they're learning in the moment but again because it's small because they have coaches um, right away to help them um, deal with the challenge that's coming up i'll say that they they the, the learning can be implemented and practiced repeatedly uh, across the duration of their experience. That sounds incredible. Um, I think one of the, the biggest, scariest things that parents have in their mind is, you know, or what, sorry, scratch that. What um, can parents do to help support their child while they're in wilderness? Because I'm sure that's really scary for families and, you know, preparing for all that and, and whatnot. Parents that are raising kids that, that have neurodiverse related issues have stepped in a lot to support their child as they have needed to. Uh, and as they're, yeah, creating a bubble, um, you know, and I think that it's it's out of love and the intention is is, uh, is right, but these kids are entering into adolescence or they are in adolescence and what they really want is more autonomy. And so trusting the process, trusting the program, trusting that their kid is capable, I think actually in the winter time, we probably get the most number of questions are, is my kid safe? You know, uh, reputable programs that are accredited absolutely are, are managing the safety of, of the children and and helping the child believe that that they're capable to do hard things is really important. So supporting the program, supporting the staff and the clinician, sometimes challenging the child to say, hey, I know it's hard out there, but I know you can do it and stick with it. So avoiding rescuing the child from doing hard things is probably the, the number one thing. Um, but then I would also offer, um, you know, having parents look at themselves and what are some of the ways in which they've contributed some of the conflict. So be open to the process and engage in what we call the parallel process. Look at the, the work that a parent needs to do to help their child grow. It's not just the child in the wilderness or in the program but really um, that dynamic and that relationship needs to be examined. How can they both support um, the child growing um, both in wilderness and beyond? And coming from a treatment program, the majority of our children or our students that come to us, come to us um, from some form of a stabilization. So those that need some more psychiatric support may come to us from a hospital-like setting but we get approximately 50% of our students from the wilderness. This is a wonderful experience. It helps them to learn how to learn in themselves, but it helps them to be prepared to get into a milieu. One of the things these kids all need help in developing is learning how to work together as a team. Great things I've seen in For neurodiverse kids, that has been a struggle for them in school. And so when these kids are out in the wilderness, um, they have an opportunity to work together and be successful in group settings, which is for some of them a new experience. 
Um, so having these kids that have had the, the wilderness experience then come to us so they can start continuing to learn and grow is, is great. And what we'll, we'll see a lot of times is these kids feel amazing after being out in the wilderness, then they come back to, to a treatment program. Well, this is a little bit more of a data They're kind of applying things in a more typical setting. So sometimes there's a little drop off, but that's to be expected. But all the kids that have gone through wilderness are great when they're um, <laughs> So that actually kind of segues for me. I, um, Dr. Christensen, don't know if you knew this, but I actually was in a wilderness program. Oh. And a, I, to this day, I was in there in the winter mm -hmm. in the snow and I hiked and I was out there for a total of 10 weeks myself. And I will tell you to this day, it is still one of the best experiences in my life and totally changed the trajectory of my life as well. And so uh, I believe in these programs quite a bit because of that. Um, so anyways, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, last question, I'm sure everybody wants to know is, you know, Brandon, Dr. Park kind of touched on this a little bit, but typically where do these students go after they complete your program? I would say that a good majority of the students that I work with go on to some kind of supportive therapeutic setting after wilderness. And the reason for that is because we're working with kids as teenagers and these you know, neurodiverse related issues or neurodevelopmental issues have been going on for a long time. 10 weeks is a really great way to start turning, turning it around. They really need a setting that can help them continue to practice the thing that they've started. As Brandon said, really in a setting that feels more like what would be expected at home, which I oftentimes say like setting, you know, like at home, there's a schedule, there's a routine, you know, there's expectations and in the wilderness, we can meet them where they're at. We can, if it takes all day to do a hike, we've got all day. But as kids come back into what I would say the real world, they have to learn, hey, I have to meet certain expectations on certain time frames. So they do have to learn to basically beef up those skills um, to be more effective of living in the life that, you know, all of us are living in here. Uh, and so that's why I would say a, many, a, a good majority of kids end up going on to some kind of supportive setting afterward. Dr. Park, any last thoughts? Um, no, I just appreciate the opportunity that we have to have you here, Neil. Thank you for introducing me to this world. Um, it was a great phone call, like I said. Um, I had to ask him what wilderness therapy was. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, it has been a wonderful experience for me and changed my life. So thank you for fostering me into this world. Well, I really appreciate you being a part of this today and a part of our podcast and our world. Um, and I appreciate getting to know you as well. So thank you. I appreciate it. Feelings are mutual. Thanks. Uh, I feel honored that you guys invite me on the podcast. So thank you. Absolutely.